Pentecost is not only the beginning of a new season in the church here, but it also denotes the beginning of a new way that God would draw people to himself through the means of grace. The festival of Pentecost is a day of celebration that we are a people who have as our heritage the unexpected, the limitless, and the miraculous. May the Holy Spirit empower and embolden us to live as his church to make a difference in a world that the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies to be his own. Amen. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ has kept his word and his promise to send another helper to be with us always. A helper to teach us of Jesus, to give us Christ. This helper is the Spirit of the Lord himself, the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Spirit active at creation. The Spirit that worked through Moses and the elders. The Spirit that descended upon Jesus at his baptism is now given to all of God's people, including each and every one of us. He is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Truly, when we look at, at that, we realize that our Lord has not withheld anything from us. For he who poured out his love for us now gives us this amazing gift too. Today, his spirit is outpoured, outpoured to be with us forever. We heard of this outpouring from the reading in the book of Acts. And we heard many of those amazing things that happened that day, signs that the Spirit had come. But we need to be careful not to confuse the signs of the Spirit's coming with the work of the Spirit who has come. Because yes, the signs were great, but they weren't the greatest miracle that happened that day. There was the, the mighty rushing wind but we know God had used winds before, for example, to part the Red Sea. There were tongues as of fire, but God had also appeared to Moses in a burning bush without consuming the bush. There is the speaking in other languages, but that too God had done before, like at the Tower of Babel. The signs were necessary as evidence that the Spirit had come. But focusing on the signs may cause us to miss the point of why the Spirit has come. Because focusing too much on the signs is like admiring a tag that adorns a Christmas present without actually going and opening the present. It is to misunderstand the whole point of the sign, which is to point to something that's even better, even greater. And that something greater is what the Spirit would now do through Peter and the eleven. For now, with the Spirit of the Lord poured out upon them, they're no longer timid and frightened and confused. Now they stand up and preach. And through their preaching, the words of the prophet Joel are fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord is poured out on men and women, sons and daughters, people of all ages and races. So that at the end of Peter's sermon, there's the greatest miracle of Pentecost. 3,000 souls believe and are baptized. For where the Spirit is, there is Christ, and there is the church. And so we celebrate the day of Pentecost today, not just as a historical event, a day gone by, 
and not hoping to repeat the fire and wind and tongues that happened on that first Pentecost. Rather, we celebrate because the outpouring of the Spirit that began on that day of Pentecost continues still today. What an amazing blessing and, and comfort that is for us. That the prophet Joel's promise is for you and me too. That through the preaching of the gospel, through the water of holy baptism, we too are given the Spirit of the Lord. We are joined to the church, capital C Church. For the church is not our work, but it's the Spirit's work. The church is not something we join, but something to which the Spirit calls us and joins us to. The church is the gathering and the miracle of the Spirit, which is still happening among us today. It's why we're here gathered together as a church family here at Grace. That's why we call the preaching of the word and the giving of the sacraments the signs or marks of the church today. For through the word and the sacraments, we have the promise of the Spirit to come and work for us. And where the Spirit is, there is Christ, and there is the church. And that order is important. It's not that we know where the church is because the church does the marks. We know where the church is because the marks do the church. The marks are the means through which the Spirit is poured out on us, whether it's through the preaching and baptizing of Peter and the Eleven or through the preaching and baptizing of pastors today. It's through the word and sacraments that our crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus is still working among us today, still sending us his Spirit, forgiving sins, giving faith, giving life. I once read that Pentecost is like opening the floodgates of a dam and the Spirit bursting forth to create and grow the church. And that's certainly a good way of looking at it. I think that analogy could also be seen in a different way, too. When a dam designed for hydroelectric power is built, some of the river continues to flow downstream. And those who live near the river have water to grow gardens and fields, Towns have water for drinking and bathing. Recreational sports go on in the reservoir formed by the dam and downstream. And likewise, before the day of Pentecost, the work of the Holy Spirit was less evident. Found mainly in Israel, particularly for major events like the prophesying in the Old Testament. It's like the people near the river. But when the switch is thrown and the water running through the dam is used for generating electricity... The extent and degree of the water increases dramatically. The Hoover Dam, for example, provides 4 billion kilowatts per year and powers the homes and businesses of 1.3 million people in Arizona, Nevada, and California. After the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's work is unleashed. It's unleashed continually, and the church continues to grow throughout the world and empowers millions and millions of people to believe and produce the fruit of faith for others to see. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the church. And what a wonderful confidence that gives to us. Confidence for us who have been baptized into Christ. Those 3,000 baptized on the day of Pentecost and all the way going to you and me today. Confidence, certainty, and comfort. All those are ours through the, those wonderful gifts that 
God gives to us. That's the living water of which Jesus spoke in the Holy Gospel. When we live by the law, or in other words, when we live by looking at ourselves and what we do, and and by our own believing, by our own efforts, we we dry up. All of our working, all of our struggling, all of our, our trying to do drives us to thirst, like working outside on a hot day. What's worse is all of our work doesn't satisfy. It doesn't give us what we're looking for, but it makes us continue to thirst. And the more we work, the more we thirst. It's a vicious, unending, unsatisfying, demonic cycle. But to us who are oppressed and dying of thirst, we have this promise that Jesus gives us the living water of his Holy Spirit. And all who drink of this water will never thirst again. For the Spirit satisfies our greatest need. The Spirit gives us what we cannot do or find for ourselves. He gives us Jesus. And in giving us Jesus, he gives us faith and life, forgiveness and eternal joy. So that the life we now live is not a dry chasing after what we cannot achieve, but rather it's the life of Christ. It's a life filled with meaning and joy and living in the faith that's been given to us. The life of Christ that flows out from us as the church. For Christ came and he traded lives with us, or maybe better said, he came and took our death and gave us his life. He came and he took the heat for us. He took all that the law demands, all the, he took all of our sin and, and punishment. He took all the, our iniquity and our guilt. He took all of, all of it, every last bit of it to the cross for us. And by taking our place under the law and into death, he would overwhelm them with the flood of his life. That in the resurrection, he could pour out his life-giving spirit upon us. And that he did by handing over his spirit as he breathed his last. And by the water and blood that flowed from his side, the water of Christ now fills the font. The blood of Christ now fills the chalice. And through these, we are refreshed. Through these gifts, we have life now and for all eternity. We have life free from the condemnation of the law, free from the fear of death, free from the oppression of the devil, free to live, free to truly live in confidence and certainty through the Holy Spirit as his church. We are now invited to eat the body and drink the blood of the crucified one who comes to serve us with his death and now comes to serve us with himself. That as he lives, we too may live. That we who hunger and thirst for righteousness would be filled. That we who sin would be forgiven. That the Holy Spirit would continue his work in us and continue to keep us joined to Christ. That we would be absolutely, completely sure that we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. That's all the work of the Spirit, not ours. The Holy Spirit given and working in the hearts of those on that first Pentecost is the very same Spirit given and continually working in our lives. Again, what a tremendous blessing and gift that is. He's still working today still building his church, still gathering and washing and feeding the children of God here today. 
and we have his promise. His promise that he continues and will continue to work through word and sacrament, the marks of the church. And so with that in mind, our prayer as a church family is this. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Alleluia. Amen.